Well, hello, my friends. Welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett. So glad that you're joining me today for part two of the kindness that we see in Joash, but it was a kindness uh, that he kind of forgot about. And so I want to remind you, don't forget about the kindness that others have shown to you. Now, I'm going to throw something out at the beginning of the broadcast that might blow your mind. You know, there are some atheists that actually fear the removal of religion. That's right. Speaking to the New York Times, Richard Dawkins said he fears the removal of religion and he thinks it would be a very bad idea for society because it would give people the license to do really bad things. He continues by saying, it's important that we have this understanding of a higher power that is informing our morality. The presence of, for example, cameras, right? You think about security cameras. The presence of security cameras help to prevent shoplifting, warning people that they should not commit this crime. And if they do commit this crime, there is a divine spy camera in the sky reading their every thought, capturing their every movement. And if that was removed, he said, people may feel free to do bad things because they feel God is no longer watching them. Well, the Oxford University fellow recalled an experiment that he had set up at the university coffee shop, and it was set up by uh, his former pupil, a woman by the name of Melissa Batson at the University of Newcastle. And what they did is they allowed students to pay for hot drinks by a hospitality honest box. In other words, this box was put in place, and the price list was displayed on the wall, And it was decorated with nice flowery imaging. And uh, there were a pair of eyes staring down out of this picture. And and they put up the paper that says they go ahead and pay for their coffee in this little box. And and they discovered that uh, most people didn't pay for their coffee. However, if they set up a camera that showed the box, nearly three times as many people would pay for their drink when they knew the camera was watching them. So Dawkins makes this conclusion, whether irrational or not, he says, unfortunately, as we look at our lives, if we believe that somebody's watching us, if it's God is watching our every move, then we're more likely to be good. And he says, I must say, I hate that idea. I want to believe that humans are better than that. I'd like to believe I'm honest whether anyone is watching or not. So you think about that. Even atheists like the idea of religion because they realize it helps us to be good. Now, the problem is that we have a wicked nature. The Bible says that we are born in sin and iniquity that our mothers conceive us. Uh, We have a sinful nature. Even with God watching us, we still do sinful things. Today, I want to talk to you about the story of Joash. Joash was a king at the age of seven. He was a king that was highly blessed, highly favored, and really protected and and put in a very special place of honor. And God used him miraculously to bring his people back to God. But as Joash got older, unfortunately got off the wrong path, and we discovered that he is actually doing things that are irrational. He is killing the son of the priest Jehoiada. The priest Jehoiada is the one that saved his life, the one that anointed him as king, the one that set up the guards to protect Joash as a young king. And yet Jehoiada dies and his son Zechariah takes over as the high priest and 
and, and what happened that would get him to the point that he would kill this great prophet? Well, he became irrational. He looked at his life, and his life turned inward, and he began to reinstitute Baal worshiping. You know, he had left some things undone. There's an interesting verse in 2 Kings chapter 12 that talks about what happened to Joash. And it says, Nevertheless, the high places were not taken away. The people continued to sacrifice and to make offerings on the high places. Uh, So here's my point. When you have a relationship with God, remember to clean your house thoroughly. Don't leave any remnant that you can easily go back to. I guess it's kind of like saying, man, I want to quit drinking, uh, but I'm going to keep a six-pack of Michelob in the refrigerator just in case, right? Uh, You are setting yourself up to fail. That's exactly what Joash did. He left the high places in place. Oh, he removed the Baal idols. He killed the priests that were the Baal worshipers, but he left the foundations in place. And it was easy to go back to that old lifestyle. Let's pick up the story in Second Chronicles chapter 24, verses 17 through 19. After the death of Jehoiada, the officials of Judah came and paid homage to the king, and he listened to them. They abandoned the temple of God, the God of their ancestors, and they worshipped Azariah poles and idols. How could they so quickly turn this thing around and go back to their old lifestyle? They had left the foundation in place. Because of their guilt, God's anger came on Judah and Jerusalem. Although the Lord sent prophets to the people to bring them back to him, and though they testified against them, they would not listen. Then the Spirit of God came on Zechariah, the son of Jehoiada the priest, and he stood before the people and he said, This is what God says. Why do you disobey the Lord's commands? You're not going to prosper, but you have forsaken the Lord, and he has forsaken you. And now we get a glimpse as to why Joash, an anointed king, a king that God used mightily and powerfully for 40 years, why he turned against God and God's priest. The prophet and the message of the prophet got too close to home. You know, as believers in Christ, we are to stand up for the truth, whether it is popular or not popular. Unfortunately, we're living in a day and age where truth is not very popular. In Jude, verse number three, there's only one chapter in the book of Jude. It's just a very short book. Jude says, Beloved, while I was very diligent to write you concerning our common salvation, I found a message to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith, which was once for all delivered to the saints. You see, Jude was saying that he wanted to write this letter of encouragement But instead, he calls us to arms. Warren Wiersbe wrote about this passage, and he says, The Holy Spirit led him to lay aside his harp and and give the sound of a trumpet. You know that word contend? It means to fight, to fight for the faith. So he was encouraging believers to put up a good fight for the faith. Uh, The New Living Translation of Jude 3 says, Defend the faith. J.B. Phillips' translation says, Put up a real fight for the faith. The message translation says, fight with everything you have in you. That word contend is actually an an athletic term. In Greek, it is the word agonizimi or agonizing, from which we get our word agonize. 
So picture an athlete running in the Olympics, straining every muscle to the point of agony so that he might win. You see, you'll never win God's battle from your sofa or from your lazy boy. You have to decide to get up and join the fight, the fight to defend the faith. Faith is a term that refers to the body of the Christian truth. As given in the New Testament, for example, 2 Corinthians 13 says, examine yourself whether you are in the faith. Agonize over yourself to make sure that you're in the faith. Paul says to young Timothy in 1 Timothy 4.1, the Spirit expressly says that in latter times, some will depart from the faith. You know, the faith is the complete New Testament teaching concerning Jesus Christ, who God is, who Jesus is, and how a person gets saved. Fight for that fight. Is he being called to contend? That doesn't mean that we're contentious. You see, you can contend and and put up a good fight while you're still being nice about it. You can actually fight the fight with a smile on your face. Peter even said, be ready to give an answer of the hope that lies within you with meekness and gentleness. And the New International Version says, with gentleness and respect. One of my favorite books in the Bible, Book of Nehemiah. You know, the Jews come back to Jerusalem and they're rebuilding the walls around the city of Jerusalem, and they're, and they're working, and they're working diligently, and it's a hard job. And, and so they got a trowel in one hand, but yet they have a sword in the other hand, because they knew their enemies were going to try to subvert the whole process. So we build up the church, but we also defend the faith against those who are trying to destroy it. You see, there's a calling to every believer, every volunteer. Every believer is to worship, and every believer is to defend the faith. It was Martin Luther who said, a preacher must be both a soldier and a shepherd. He must nourish, defend, and teach. In fact, that's another way to look at it. Jude says he's exhorting the believers. It's a word that describes the action that is given, the orders that are given to us. So you and I, we're in the army, right? We're in the army of the Lord Jesus Christ as our commander. So the question is not, will I be a soldier? The question is, will I be a good soldier? Will I fight for his truth? You see, with the zeal of youth comes also an inherent danger. It is possible to get swept away with enthusiasm to do great things for God. But in the process, you fail to build the foundation for a lifetime of ministry. We see that in Joash. Joash was quite a king. He was amazing in what he accomplished as a young person. You know, it's easier to build a temple than it is to walk in a personal reality with God. People can see the temple and they can exclaim, my, this is amazing. That's what Joash did. He was quite the king. They must have really loved him, and and they must have thought he really loved God because on the outward, he looked like he really did. Look at this temple that he built or that he rebuilt. What people don't see is something that God sees, is whether you spend time each day with him, whether you deal with your sinful thoughts, whether you seek and submit to God in the trials of your life, 
You see, if you're not growing in a personal relationship with Christ, in holiness, and in devotion to God, then your zeal for serving God in your youth is just a hollow shell. It will crumble under temptation. Well, we've learned a lot about Joash. Let me quickly review before I give you the last point. We've learned from the story of Joash that he took for granted his salvation. Why don't we pause for just a moment and say, Lord, thank you for the salvation that you have given to me. And when I think about my salvation, I think about my first grade Sunday school teacher, Mrs. Banks, who led me to the Lord. You know, she's been dead and gone for probably over 40 years. Uh, She was elderly when she led me to the Lord. I don't know what happened to Mrs. Banks. I don't know what happened to her father, or her husband rather, uh, but I remember them in church as a couple sitting together. And she would faithfully teach Sunday school every Sunday she was there. And when I went forward to pray to receive Christ as my Savior, it was Mrs. Banks who took me to a side room, opened up the Word of God, and, and shared that verse, John three sixteen. and she put my name in there. For God so loved Calvin that he gave his only begotten Son, that if Calvin should believe in him, Calvin should not perish, but have everlasting life. I pray that I never get over my salvation. I pray that I never take it for granted. You see, I was blessed as a six-year-old boy to receive Christ. King Joash was blessed as a seven-year-old king to take the throne. He was miraculously protected, miraculously put in that position, and God used him in a mighty, powerful way, but he took his salvation for granted. We see something else, that he also forsook the teachings of his mentors. Jehoiada and his wife poured their heart and soul into mentoring Joash. But he so forsook the teaching of the high priest Jehoiada that he actually kills the son of Jehoiada. He forsook the teachings of those who loved him. We see thirdly, that because of forsaking the teaching of his mentors, he became irrational in how he lived his life. You see, somebody said that sin will take you further than you want to go, make you stay longer than you want to stay, cost you more than you want to pay. The wages of sin is death. We learn also from the life of Joash that he evaded his responsibilities. I want to encourage you today. What is it in your life that needs to be eradicated? Don't leave the remnants of sin in your life. You know, this past week, I was up in Richmond, Virginia. I spent three days with chaplains, and I spent three days on a retreat. And and as a result of being with these chaplains for three days, we had no TV, uh, which was a good thing. And so I purposely did away with a lot of my social uh, networking and and, uh, social media. I had very limited use of social media by intention, because I have found that social media can absorb hours of my life. And and I can squander valuable time. You know, maybe as a Christian, one of the responsibilities you need to take in your life is that you're not going to be on that cell phone so much, that you're not going to be on your Facebook page or your social media pages so much. And you're going to cut it back because it will cause you to evade your responsibility. You see, Joash didn't remove the high places. And as a result, people could easily go back and sacrifice and make offerings to Baal. So remember to clean your house thoroughly. And then the last point, we see tragedy in the life of Joash. Second Chronicles 24 verse 20 says, 
Thus says the Lord. Why do you break the commands of the Lord? So that you cannot prosper. Because you have forsaken the Lord, He has forsaken you. Do you feel like God has forsaken you? I want you to know that if you feel that way, it's because you have first forsaken Him. We have some missionaries in town this week, and we had the wonderful opportunity of of having dinner with them the other night. We drove down to Coin Jock Marina and had a wonderful meal together. And in our conversations, we were talking about those who have fallen and drifted from the faith. People that we knew who were once vibrant and, and involved in the church, and, and all of a sudden they stopped going to the church, and, and they stopped serving the Lord. And, and I said, you know, every time that happens, uh, there's always a chink in the armor that may go undetected. But I've discovered that oftentimes parents are somewhat half-hearted in going to church and half-hearted in their relationship with Christ. And because they're so half-hearted in it, their children grow up and they see that half-heartedness in the life of their parents. Now, the parents don't see it themselves. The parents don't realize the damage they're doing to their children. They, they get up on a Sunday morning to say, well, do you want to go to church today or not? Where it becomes an afterthought. It doesn't become a primary focus of their lives. And because they're half-hearted about it, tragedy can ensue. Now, Zechariah gives a major wake-up call to Joash. And basically says, now listen, I want you to remember the kindness of Jehoiada. Remember what my father did for you, Zechariah is saying. Remember that kindness. Return to the Lord. But the message falls on deaf ears. At Joash's command, Zechariah is stoned. And it says in 2 Chronicles 24, 22, Joash, the king, did not remember the kindness of Jehoiada, Zechariah's father, that he had shown to him, but he killed his son. And when he was dying, Zechariah said, may the Lord see and avenge. Well, the Lord did see. Joash's departure from God brought judgment on himself. The army of the Syrians left him severely injured because he hadn't listened to Zechariah. Now, how this story could have changed? What if Joash responded to the message of Zechariah? What if he had said, well, listen, I hear your message and I will follow through. But he didn't. Because he rejected the message, he put Zechariah to death. But that wasn't the end of the story. The very servants of Joash conspired against him. They wounded him, left him on his bed, and he ends up dying. Joash had ruled Judah for 40 years. But you know, when he was buried, here's an irony of this story. Jehoiada, the high priest, was buried with the kings. Uh, he probably shouldn't have been buried there because he wasn't a king. He was a high priest. But because he served the Lord so faithfully, he was buried with the kings. Joash, who was a rightful king, who should have been buried with the kings, was killed after ruling for 40 years in Judah, but he wasn't buried with the kings because he didn't follow the commands of the Lord. 
When you think about the kindness that God has shown you, do you remember that kindness often? Do you share that kindness with others? Maybe you're listening to the broadcast today and says, well, I don't know how to get people interested in spiritual things. Can I give you a couple of tips on how to get people interested in the gospel, interested in spiritual things? Well, first of all, just remind them, life is brief. You know, I've never talked to a person who's over the age of 75 who says, man, uh, it's been a long life. They said, no, no, it, it went by fast. I can't believe I'm 75 years old. You see, life is brief. James says, you don't know what's going to be on tomorrow. But what is your life? It's like a vapor that appears for a little while, and then it's gone. Life goes by quick. You remind people just how quick life is going to go by. Another thing that may help to arouse interest in spiritual things is to remind them that life is uncertain. Not only is it short, but it's uncertain. In Proverbs 27, verse number one, it says, don't boast about tomorrow because you don't know what a day may bring forth. You know, I interview a lot of people uh, in the prison. I taught inmates, I taught to uh, the administration, and, and I'll ask them questions because I love to ask questions because I find that people love to talk about themselves. And so I'll ask an inmate, hey, let me ask you a question. Was coming to prison on your bucket list? You know, I haven't met an inmate yet who says, oh yeah, I plan to come to prison. Now I have talked to a few of them and said, well, I kind of figured I'd end up here because you know, my dad was in prison and my uncle was in prison and, and I lived a very criminal lifestyle. And that's all I knew. So I kind of figured I would end up here, but it wasn't on their bucket list. It wasn't something that they wanted to do. Yeah, I've also talked to a lot of wardens and, and assistant wardens and captains and majors and sergeants. And, and I'll ask them the same question. Did you intend to be a warden at this prison or did you intend to be a captain at a prison? I haven't met any of them. So yeah, that was on my bucket list. And they said, well, this has kind of worked out this way. You know, I needed a job, and so I applied for the Department of Corrections, and, and I just kind of climbed the ladder, and uh, now I'm a warden, now I'm an assistant warden. They didn't intend for that to happen because life is uncertain. But one thing I want you to know, you don't know what a day may bring forth, but the Bible says death is sure. In Hebrews 9.27, it says, it is appointed unto man once to die. After this is a judgment. One day you're going to die. You know that's true. But you may not know it's true that one day you will face God. Appointed unto man once to die. You say, well, what if those things don't interest people? What if they don't care that life is brief? What if they don't care that life is uncertain? What if they don't care if they're going to be judged when they die? Well, I want them to know that Jesus is coming again. His appearance maybe at any moment. Jesus himself says in Matthew 24, 44, be ready for in such an hour as you think not, the son of man will come. You know, I've discovered that one of my most popular things to talk about is end times. It seems like people love to know what's going to happen in the future. I want you to know that Jesus is coming again. Uh, Nobody knows the day nor the hour, but he's coming again. It could be today. You may not finish your travel home today. Jesus is coming again. And let me close with one final verse. Hebrews 2 and verse number 3 says, and it begins by asking a question, how are we going to escape if we neglect this great salvation? This salvation was first spoken to by the Lord 
it was confirmed unto us by them that heard it. Now listen, if the gospel is true, you have a lot to worry about if you reject salvation. If the gospel is not true, I have nothing to worry about. Because if the gospel is not true and, and we all end up just dying, right? And going, maybe maybe you believe that when you die, that's the end of it. You know, you're just exterminated. You're gone. You're annihilated. Well, if you believe that and the gospel is false, it doesn't change that. But if you believe that and the gospel is true, how are you going to escape? If you neglect this salvation that is made possible through Jesus Christ himself. My hope, my prayer for you is that today will be your day of salvation. That today you will acknowledge Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Invite him to come into your heart. Ask him to forgive you of your sins and be born again. I want to pray for you today. Would you shoot me a text at 252-267-2365? And maybe today you want more information about how to be saved. Maybe you just prayed a simple prayer and asked Jesus to be your Savior. Would you shoot me a text that says, hey, I was saved today listening to the broadcast. Or I want you to pray today as a result of the broadcast. That number one more time, 252-267-2365. Thank you so much for joining me. I will speak with you tomorrow. If you'd like to hear this broadcast again, you can have a free download at buzzsprout.com backslash 1890557, or you can listen on Amazon, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are 9 a.m. and 1030 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, go to hrcc7.org. And remember, no matter what you're going through, in Jesus Christ, there is always hope for your heart.